Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I come back to you on this podcast of The Real Heel Section, an enlightened man. It wasn't like I didn't see the light before, but today there is something extra special that I am here to talk with you guys about, and I'm glad you're joining us. Yep. Yep, we'll we'll get to that in a second, Mike. But uh, if we're going to go ahead and bring that up, let's go ahead and talk to my co-host, the incomparable... It's, no, my, my co-host is not Super Dragon. I wish it was. Or maybe he is. But ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show our good friend, Mike Stallings. Mike, how you doing? Good. And no, more importantly, how are you, sir? <laughs> I'm good. I feel different than I did. You know, I walked into a certain event on Saturday thinking life was pretty okay. I, I'm a pretty happy person. I didn't know it could get exponentially better i always tell people that was my favorite place to be on earth and they have a hard time wrapping themselves around so i'm glad you got a little glimpse of why i would like to go to more into why but <clears throat> what were you expecting at first anyway all right so obviously those in the know know we're talking about pwg so i've seen that they've had events for a long time and it's usually it's right in my backyard like I live very close to the venue. It's always been, you know, very friendly to Southern California. But for whatever reason, I've just never been able to make it. So this time, Mike took the initiative on his birthday. No less. Oh, doing things for See, that's all I wanted for my birthday was to do things for other people. <laughs> Mike was also doing a lot of charity work that day. He was feeding the homeless. <laughs> He was coming around, he was telling comedians, he was giving them money and telling them their sets were great. He was buying all the merch. Yep. So, no, here's... My dude, dude Dillinger. Yes. Here's what happens, though. This is a unique place because it's an American Legion. And if you really want to know what it feels like there, you can go to any American Legion across any American state, and they're all universally the same. But what makes this unique experience so much different than I, I think all the others is there is a vibe. There is a vibe between both wrestlers and the crowd that makes this entire experience something that you can go tell friends about and they won't fully understand until you go. You just smile for about, what, three, four hours. Uh, you're basically weathering the storm of the world's worst sauna, but you don't care because you're watching pro wrestling with friends and new friends who are all about the same level of fan as you are, if not more in some cases. So in that regard, you know, you don't have to worry about anything. It's the ultimate escapist fair for the true, authentic pro wrestling fan. I don't even think you could watch the DVD and really get a true sense of how it feels in there. I think that you have to go through that sweltering, uncomfortable heat and know that you'll sit through it to really, really, really understand it. You know what I mean? What, what, I mean, what happened after the first match? I mean, we'll get into it more detail, but after the first match, how long do you think that little uh, technical difficulty was? Oh, that oh. was about an hour. Yeah. Did we move? No. Not one iota. We didn't move anywhere. We were just happy to be there, and we didn't, like, time froze in a sense. 
We could have gone outside anytime we wanted to. You know that, right? <laughs> In theory, yeah, sure, we could have left, but we were pot committed. And the, the nice part for me is I'm there to uh, gain the experience. And uh, I was telling this to Mike a little bit, which was I'm used to going, especially right now in my life, to a ton of jiu-jitsu events. And they never run on time. And they may not produce a great result because there's no planned finish. And you may not have the performers who pull off the kind of spectacular stunts or storytelling. There's a lot that you can really get invested in in pro wrestling. In jiu-jitsu, there is a competitive aspect. It can be amazing when it is truly on. But if it's not on, it's not like you go up to the competitors and go like, hey, 20 bucks to make this interesting. Am I right? Go do this. So you could be waiting there for just as long. That hour time seemed like nothing to me. And if anything, it gave the crowd a little bit more time to get a little loose, if you would, uh, to get a little bit more like they just know. They're like, yeah, I would rather it not waste a fucking hour. But was there a jinx, Mike, something that prompted that little hour episode to happen maybe? So what Raph is alluding to so gracefully here is Excalibur, who basically runs a joint with Super Dragon and Joey Ryan. Nobody knows that that Super Dragon taking tickets is great, and mm-hmm. I felt bad blowing up his spot. But you saw how no- nonchalant he was. He just gave me the nod. He's like, yeah, go. <laughs> so I was going to get a tattoo. And I was like, you'll be the first one to know. And he just kind of like, yeah, um, who's next? <clears throat> So Excalibur always does his welcoming promo. You know, he was can't remember what the topic was. Uh, oh yeah, the women's history. Every month is Women's History Month. Mm-hmm. Every month is Black History Month. He just goes on. And he's funny, and then he was so excited that they were finally going to get a show off on time, which the crowd responded to like they had just seen McFoley fall off a hell in a cell because they know how these things normally go and told us we were going to be out of the building way, way before one in the morning when people went even more bonkers for. So I think the essence, I, you know, I really don't think we kind of left because we were just watching Excalibur pull the hair out of his mask, which he didn't have. You know what I mean? Which is impressive, by the way. I didn't know you could but do you, that. But it was really nice of you to understand where he was coming from. And so you saw the roller coaster is going to like breathe through, breathe, just breathe through, breathe through it. Then, you know, at first it was a sound issue. And then people were sitting next to all of a sudden just rushed the ring and started fixing it, which is if that's not community, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, that's, it's unique in that to where, you know, that's that there is no wall, you know, it, even if it is a, technical difficulty everybody's just happy to be on the same just to be there and in the same plane i mean when we walked in there you have to touch the ring and um the chosen bro himself matt riddle was getting out and he was putting his gym bag and i like just naturally took it to hold it from because he was coming out i was like oh thanks and then he went and did something else for like fucking two minutes and then i talked to leo russ like what's this guy doing and then he came and took the bag and He's like, good to see you. I was like, oh, what? Okay, see you, bro. And that was that. It was just like, yeah, this is what we do. I know you, which is kind of a crazy. You'll never get that at a WWE event. No. John Cena doesn't give you a bag and go, hey, kids, hold this. 
<laughs> while I go do the Nickelodeon thing. Yeah, but it, I sound like such a mark telling that story too. Like, oh my god, Matt, I can't, did somebody get a picture? <laughs> it's well, can but it, I explain why that exists in this realm. I hope so. I've been, yeah, I've been struggling with it for a second. I felt a little like if I took a step back, I was like, you know better than that. I think part of the appeal here is this is one of the rare opportunities because I was explaining this to my friends uh, who are civilians. I was telling them that it's the rare combination where it is a very intimate setting. You're packed, crowded with just like sardines with these dudes and everybody's sweating and you see the mirrors getting fogged up and that's how you know how far into the evening's proceedings we are it's just but we're all there for the same thing we all have a true appreciation for this world and yet we're there with these amazing performers who if time space politics were all right would be running the show in a number of organizations. So to get to see them, there is an element of, you know, you you do get kind of starstruck. You can be starstruck. But right, you are starstruck right. in the most relatable way possible. And that goes both ways. Because for the audience's perspective, to look at them and say, oh, man, he let me hold his bag. You know, <laughs> for Matt Riddle, it also becomes like him saying, yeah, dude, functionally, I need somebody to check after my stuff. But also, yeah, I'm a star, but I love this as much as you do. So, like, let's make the best of it. It's going to be a good night. And the thing is, is, like, everything that you do there, as opposed to a WWE show, and it's not like saying, you know, when you go to a WWE show and it's amazing, it's an epic feeling, and it's very hard to reproduce it. Many of us marks are to the point where – we know better. So we know is like, mm, that show was like a seven out of 10. Ah, that's our, the whole show was like a three out of five stars. It wasn't a real thing. We may be a little callous in that way, but these guys who are working these shows know that every little thing counts and contributes to the overall experience. So saying fuck you to a fan better not be coming from a real place. It's got to be coming from fuck you. Remember that when I come back in 20 minutes, dick. And then I'm going to take your fucking hat because fuck you. Like it, it has a build and it has a greatness. And I mean, Mike saw me when I was, you know, when we had dead time there, Mike, what was I doing? <clears throat> Crowd work. <laughs> because you know what? I, I figured it out. If there are people who feel that they are in charge of, doing chants then i felt i was in charge of busting everybody's balls and i know the reason i can do it is because there's a smile that happens with everybody's faces there that you know they get it they're the type of people who if don rickles goes up to them they just smile and go oh cool and that's not just from me it's from everybody else we all play in the same world so i think that is partially why that experience and that crowd and those performers are so special is because it's everybody cohesively working together to make an, an, a truly amazing experience. So one of a kind thing. And I think that's another essence of it is <clears throat> this promotion is notorious for having these guys move up 
to the main show. And I mean, look at Kevin Kevin Owens is the champion of the whole AJ Styles, mm-hmm. Brian Danielson. These guys have that's where they cut their teeth. And I think, like we were talking about, like expectations. I think the essence is that we know a good seventy five percent of these guys either have already been there or are gonna like you said, headline any promotion they want to. And to have that in a time capsule like that, just in that small vacuum and that amount of space, you have to suck up as much of it as, as possible. You know what I mean? You, you feel like you if you can't... Because the intermission, once it's over, everybody runs back. That's why I don't think anybody left because they didn't want to miss even the shenanigans that go on in the crowd, whether it be Zach Della Mocha <laughs> or Asian Scarecrow. You know, no offense to, no offense to the scare, no offense to the scarecrow. scarecrow. I never thought he'd be cooler until I showed up at IC. I was like, that dude looks like he was in Batman Begins, and he was giving some real uh, Murphy vibes. But he, he definitely, he was good on him. You, good on him. You know, he was like the like the head of Dragon Gate or something, right? Oh, yeah. It's like he was up on the stage like scouting. You know that he wanted to bring guys from new japan over and you're just totally downsizing them listen he's in my world you know what we're all there to play along and if he doesn't want to play along get the fuck out and you know what he left so yeah he was there to scout somebody and yeah he had better things to do well i didn't that was my better thing to do was being there so i'm committed so take that scarecrow go put that in your fucking mask or whatever the shit you did in batman begins i'm starting to forget it because i haven't watched it in a while he was behind you when we walked back in from intermission he had you by cutthroat dude mm. Mm. i couldn't let you i couldn't let you know that <laughs> if mm. you can sneak your microphone in he can sneak his razor whatever his what's scarecrow's weapon I think it was just a mask. Like, you just put a bag over you. Which, by the way, props to Chris Nolan for really making it super real. That's how real and gritty he made it. It's like, what's the Scarecrow's weapon? A bag? And bugs. A knapsack? And the bugs fly around the... Yep. Like, pig pen? Well, I think it was was because he had that, and it was Batman's trigger was bats. Who knew? And (laughs) it just made for... It's a intense scene. I remember telling people, I was like, ooh, that's going to be the kids. Don't bring the kids to this one. Uh, anyway, so yes. So well, in a, in a nutshell, that's basically what's going on here. This intermission is you doing this. Yeah. You well, know what I mean? And I couldn't help it because I'm, can't, just, I'm so happy, and I feel like that's what I contribute. And every once in a while, you know, you're getting the crowd to kind of joke and, and laugh a little bit, um, which is fun because you don't want to ruin their experience, but you also – for my own uh, enjoyment, I just enjoy seeing how people react to any given little little change or minuscule thing because we're having the best time of our lives. If you guys don't really understand the name for this podcast, Heel Section, it is very, very simple for this reason, which is we started as friends because of this very thing. If you don't think that this is the way we're going to act when we go to a show, then yeah. maybe you're not truly getting the name of this show. So when we're amongst our own, we're we're just enjoying ourselves. Kid candy store exactly in front of your eyes. And that was why, you know, when I saw Mike, he was already in rare form by the time he had arrived. <laughs> yeah, because I know sold you immediately. I think I walked right past you, right? You did, and I was I was almost going to give you shit, but I didn't know your your friend Aww. well enough. Yeah, I know. I didn't know your friend well enough to like just go up and be like, "Hello, Mike's being a dork. How are you?" 
Uh, like he doesn't. He doesn't understand that he just spent. He just spent six hours in a car with me driving through the eye of one of the most craziest storms in California history, just so we can go no sell you on the <clears throat> entrance to PWG. Yeah, that sounds about right. I've been no sold by better people. I'll let you know that first of all, and second of all, all I've been no sold by people who have committed way more to a bit than driving six hours. Jesus. Go- a bit mm-hmm. that's my life you can't no now you can't compare my life to a bit i can do what i want <laughs> so if we're talking about all of that then we should also okay so let's talk about how it, it begins because i'm sure you guys want to hear the deep cuts of the actual matches and there's a lot we can talk about but we're going to talk about the matches in broad strokes because you know, anybody else can give you a play-by-play of exactly what happened. But I like looking at it from the storytelling angles, the booking angles, the athleticism, uh, the overall crowd effect. If things stood out to me, I try to make mention of those. Um, but this is this was something that was uh, fairly, fairly interesting to watch was the process of going in. So American Legion, you're getting padded down. And uh, once you get in, then as Mike mentions, you know, Guy running the show is taking your tickets. And if you wink at him and you're like, I know you're really Santa Claus, he won't give a fuck. But that's the charm of it. That's how much people care about this thing. They they have to perform multitasks. So the first match happens, and it's Cody Rhodes coming out. And we did find out a little bit later because the microphone was cutting in and out. So it was a little hard in the sound system. But it also, if you ask me, uh, contributed to the specialness of that arena and that environment. So now we're about to get into things. What did you notice about the ring, Mike, that seemed different? Well, me being that's such a touchy subject because that wasn't their ring. Mm-hmm. It was really bouncy and it looked like basically any roof that needs work. There was that like puddle spot. You know, to where where it would just drain, it would just rest, and it felt like that was just like the miss. I don't know how that worked though, because they worked on the other side of the ring. <clears throat> what what had happened was, and which is really sad, not to get off track, but um, they usually use EWF's ring. Jesse Hernandez, who I mentioned earlier, they were kind of related to. It's not the point right now, but um, his truck caught on fire and the ring burned. I don't know how I don't I don't know if it was his truck, but they lost the ring, so they had to fly by the seat of their pants and get a new ring. And it was kind of a touchy subject. They actually made the announcement, but I hope I I answered that question correctly. I don't think I did. Well, it's true because the first thing that I seemed to notice was how bouncy the ropes were. Right. So the ropes had this extra give. And if you're Cody Rhodes and like the minute he went to go off the top to start like just greeting the crowd and and playing up to them and you see like them going like jump ropes in terms of how much they were circling, you go, uh-oh. I mean, I know he's a professional, but this is going to be very difficult to do some things, I'm sure. Yeah, he, he did a little spin jump immediately. <clears throat> so after he but- does that, then we we get into the makings of the match. And then something significant happened during the match that played out, I guess, like a day later. 
controversy. Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't mention that he was fighting Trevor Lee, so we got an ex WWE versus a TNA guy who they'll absolutely despise because you know TNA and they love Cody Rhodes. You know the whole Bullet Club thing. But do you want to? I, I don't even feel right kind of explaining this, yeah. even though we all did pop pretty hard for it. It made sense at the time. But I think if you go along with a day later and kind of think about it, I think you end up feeling how Cody felt. All right. So Cody comes out. He says, I'm not just Cody because they announce him as Cody. He goes, I'm Cody fucking Rhodes, which made me think the crowd goes nuts. But it made me think he he needed to send a royalty check to Andrew Dice Clay. Hey, I'm fucking Cody Rhodes here. Little Miss Muffet. And I was like, oh, are we? All right. There we are. All right, great. So he does that. Match kind of starts. And then we get, (laughs) at this point, a retort. Now, I didn't know this was a thing. It seemed like it had been clear. Did it not? Did it not have the makings of like, okay, this is something that must be okay for him to bring up? Because when you're in the moment and people are popping for it, nobody's going to pop and think like, ah, that's cool. Yeah, wait, is that okay? Are we good with saying that? But when it's a pop that's at the expense of Dusty Rhodes, everybody collectively just is like, whoa. And, you know, there's the the elbow smash to the head, the the perfect mannerism duplication. It's, um, it's a little odd. The next day, however, Cody said, when I'm in that ring, I've got one rule. And I was like, oh, no. His Batman rule got broken. Shit, guys. You never break Batman's rule. And it was, lo and behold, told to us that apparently that was not cleared. And he was a professional about it. He said, you know, hey, it could happen to anybody. We'll take it out of uh, future releases when we put it out for you guys. But you know, you the, first ro- the first role of Dusty Club is you do not talk about Dusty Club. <laughs> But, I mean, I thought that they were even referencing him in the WWE. Mm. I thought they did a little bit. Well, I don't know if they're going to take it as far as to say fuck you to him. But, like, isn't that the intended effect? Yes, yes, yes. And really, like, the F word, it's all about how much power you give it. And if he literally gave himself that extra power with his name... And then a little bit later, you add the word fuck Dusty Rhodes. Take out the word fuck. It just says Dusty Rhodes. And it's like exclamation mark. Oh, awesome. Thanks. Yeah, but like you said, when you first explained the essence of that place, it's like they got it immediately. Mm-hmm. Like it was okay, right? Like I didn't feel like anything. Well, because yeah, we did anything. It, it took a second. We all thought, you know. It's the the meme of the kid being like, oh, and everybody's just there because you think you're part of it's part of the show, and lo and behold, it was not. So, you know, improving is a little tough of a gig to do as someone who does comedy. Sometimes you don't always hit the mark, but you really didn't see it all that much in the match in terms of how it played out between the two. So I thought that was professional and good by both of them. Good match. Uh, spots Tre- yeah, Trevor Lee went o- and Trevor Lee went over too. He so did. yeah, he did. Which is so I the guess, next match. If you think about it, though, that's a true testament to how good you are at keeping 
to part of it. If somebody said fuck my dad, I'd be like, I'm winning now. Fuck Audible. Complete audible on the spot. <laughs> like an understood audible too. Just like no beef, like shit, my bad. So you're talking about the next match. That's when, just to fill you guys in, that's when the break happened. So that's when for an hour, uh, nothing was getting improved. And then people who looked like the equivalent of my cousins, who I never knew, uh, went to attend the ring. And uh, who knew? You just needed a wrench. And when people saw that it was getting passed up, it looked like a foreign object. So everybody was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so it's a very funny moment. I also enjoy playing crowd chant bingo. I feel like we should all bring, like, one that's a free spot and, you know, holy shit and this is awesome. Please come back. All these different chants. And whoever yells out bingo gets a free shirt. That's what I, I feel should happen. That's a really good idea, dude, for real. And you know who would take that the most seriously? That was that guy sitting ringside in the Jay White shirt who we figured out at some point that if he did not start the chant, he was really upset about it. <laughs> I told you in the car. I was like, and it, dude, if you're listening to this, I don't know who you are. I just know you're really into it. So right. if you're going to go kayfabe with me, go kayfabe with me. But I noticed that that guy looked like the person in a group project who goes, okay, well, then I'm leader, right? And for the rest of the night, had a very serious face of like, you know what this match needs right now? A chant. This is awesome. And like with all conviction in his face. As hard as, po- as hard as possible. Like I don't think that dude has ever approached doing anything that serious in his life. Like the American No, Max chance. Max made the great comments to say that he did take that serious approach and paid an extra $100 shipping to New Japan to get his Jay White <laughs> shirt FedExed him so he could be the first guy to know about, you know, his first match. <laughs> so okay so then the the wait and then we get back to the the thick of things what happens in the second match mike so we get a <clears throat> matchup of lucha underground's ray phoenix do you know he's pentagon jr's brother i did yeah yeah i kind of forgot that which is who they're fighting in the next show against former best friend member and former dude buster trent which on paper, I didn't really think too much. I really like Phoenix, but lo and behold, almost really stole the show if it wasn't for the hottest act in wrestling going today later in the night. But mm-hmm. I was really, really impressed, and I was really happy that you got to see actual, like, good crowd work yes. be manifested. Um, did you learn anything from that? Well, how do I put this? I, I enjoyed... Seeing what I saw in that match for this reason. When you're just observing everything and you're, you're taking into things, I, I guess sometimes I look for different levels of things. First, I look at, you know, how are they performing? What's their athleticism? Because that's always what's going to stand out first. Then I look at in-ring uh, presence, how they play to the crowd, um, how the crowd is receiving them. I go through a, a, a series of different things that I just kind of sit back and go, oh, this is an awesome experience. This is really cool. And I make notes as I go along in my head. In this particular one, I thought it was two individuals who were 
making what the story they were telling will seem a little bit bigger than even that ring. And that's an impressive thing to do. So uh, good spots, good crowd work. It felt like a fun match. It was fun. It was really involving. Um, they say that a lot about WWE house shows that they kind of start interacting with the fans, but to interact with that intimate size of an audience and to everybody feel that vested when they started doing the whole, I don't think I can do that. Don't do your Lucha shit. And so they went one move for one move and it became a progressive like game of Lucha horse in a sense. Yes. So we were so vested by the third time um, Phoenix went down and started doing the kip up, kip up, kip up, kip up, go run the ropes and do the flip. And we were just like, man, is he going to even try to attempt it? I mean, he did the first two spots. He, and then he just looked at us and went, I don't think I can do that. And the crowd <laughs> just went again, just knows that that was the perfect, you know, it would, that's almost better than him actually doing it. And he's telling, you know, he's talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I thought he could do it too. So just that sense of you get, you're, you're, you're in it. But then they slap the shit out of each other. Like oh, harder than, yeah. Like, and then, yeah. And they pulled off some, you know, every match, extreme spots and stuff. But to have that be the second match, especially right after the break, and for the crowd to come off, I really expected a crowd to die after that kind of match. But PWG is not that kind of show, like you said, regardless of all the BO and, yeah, well, you know, sweat. Here's the interesting thing about that that I found. When that is happening and you see everybody losing their shit, and I'm laughing legitimately, and I'm a hard person to make laugh. So I'm just staring at it, and when he's looking and they're exchanging, and you see him going, "Oh, I don't think I can do this one." It's <laughs> there's something in there that I told people later, both my comedy friends and jujitsu friends. I was like, you know, I write sketches, I write bits for people, and here I was watching that stuff, and I go, "Yeah, that's 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 the kind of." freedom you get in this kind of environment to play indulge in i think this is the big thing that is a recurring theme for all of these performers who are quite good they are quite exceptional but here is the maybe the part of the x factor or the explanation of it they always say in order to break the rules you have to know what the rules are and i think that could be said for a number of these guys so they don't just do a false finish just because it, you know it's the time in the match to it's all building and it's all building in a way that if you're asking me is sometimes a commentary on the current state of pro wrestling so if i look at it from the comedic sense i look at it at the sense of oh at a you know nxt show they would maybe let this bit go on for 10 seconds here this bit is going on for three minutes and i'm crying laughing and I think it's all worth it. I think it has a, a great sense of, of place for it. Because as I told somebody, I was like, you know, it's funny. You know, you mentioned pro wrestling and you think you can take the kids to go see it. Yeah, if a kid's going to come to this, that's going to be the coolest fucking kid that I know. <laughs> but it really should be for adults because it really is a, a love letter from people who are pro wrestling fans to pro wrestling fans to be like, all right, check this spot out. All right. Fuck you guys. You thought you saw it all? Well, now we're going to do this shit. And the amount of love that I have for people who know, like, well, I'm sitting in the front row. 
<sighs> and it's time to stand up again. And get out of the way. Get out of the way. All right. Because you think about it, why else would you pay money to move out of the way? Like, if I go to a comedy show that's not Gallagher, I'm never really worried shit's going to come at me. Right. Well, you, it, it, like you're speaking on the sense of, like, how old school it is with Super Jack and taking the tickets. They don't do TV. You know what I mean? They only still do DVDs. You know, there's no real outlet to get a storyline to evolve over a month. They have to do it show for show, match for match, and to have that type of, I don't wouldn't call it improv, but that kind of storytelling, put in that, you know, time frame, it's not an easy thing to do. I think that's what we get lost in with, and it almost becomes boring to us when we watch TV, WWE, yeah. and stuff like that. It's because we know the progression. You saw it took two and a half months for Kevin Owens and, and Chris Jericho to break up, but we knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. We don't have we don't have a chance to know what's coming. I mean, it might make sense, but they have to do it in such a bang 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 type of manner that you have to you go right along with it, or you know, it's just you're gonna miss it. Yep. So great stuff there. Enjoyed that match. You you called it maybe bash of the night. I I don't I don't even know that I could come up with match of the night. I, I enjoyed a lot of different elements about things. Uh, for different reasons. So what was the next match then? <laughs> the next match was the Chosen Bros. Uh, Matt Riddle, who's the bro, and um, Jeff Cobb, who plays Quato's monster on Lucha Underground, versus Max's favorite tag team of all time, the unbreakable <laughs> FN machines of Brian Cage and Michael Elgin. Why well, I mean, for that good thing they fixed the ring. How much? That's like nine hundred pounds just chilling. I think that's what it was. They go, all right, guys. Maybe they would have been put second, but then everybody looked at each other and go, no, we need to test out the ring. Yeah, for sure. But um, the real takeaway. It was a good match. You know what I mean? They did all the spots. Matt Riddle sells like. I, I think he just doesn't know anything else to do but overreact to every little thing that happens, which makes for. An interesting character. Well, how did I tell uh, you he reacted? I forget. I just, I thought I <laughs> I said, tell- here's the good news. Matt Riddle may be so high or on so many drugs that everything's a surprise to him. Like genuinely. Like genuinely a surprise. Because there were times when his tag team partner is getting decimated and he's looking around at everybody like, whoa, shit. And you're like, you should be concerned. That is your tag team partner. But he has a real, like, light to his eyes that's like, oh, fuck, he's going to be suplexed. No, that's bad for business, dude. Right. That's not going to help you. You're going to have to do more work if he gets suplexed. That's terrible for your your cause. So, so that, that was good. Meds, yeah. They did the spot where they did the, you know, 10-count standing vertical suplex, but they traded it. I think it was Matt Riddle in between Cage and uh, Elgin, I think, three or four times, which oh, was pretty was, cool. I thought it was Chosen. I thought it was uh, – not Chosen. I thought it was – it's so funny okay, to get Chosen, bro? It's so great to be like, he's the Chosen, he's the bro. Together, they're rebel cops chosen. in the 70s. <laughs> I thought it was Cobb, actually. I thought that they, they lifted him, and I thought that's why it was so impressive that he was lifted that long. 
that's all fine and dandy. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was a good match. They hit other spots, but the real back to your experience, the real essence of that match was listening to my brother Max. <laughs> so you have to explain why Go. your brother was so like. There's hitting a certain kind of heel section level that I think he hit. One I don't of the know. Highest tiers. I was like. I have no idea. It was rare form. I know he doesn't like certain guys, okay? But Brian Cage aggravates this kid like nothing else I've ever seen before to where he used to really not like Michael Elgin either. I don't know mm. if he doesn't like big dudes, like big, strong, like WWE, like Braun Strowman type dudes. Sure. Big show, stuff like that. Or I think it might be just how Brian Cage looks, like just an absolute action figure kind of thing. He shouldn't yeah. be able to move the way he does. Or it's just too stiff or something. But he hates Brian Cage so much that he was like justifying why Michael Elgin would be better to him. Mm-hmm. Like at least he's just yelling. But you can hear the real emotion and passion of and the guys, hatred. No kayfabe here. 100% was happening real time, was yelling out. I mean, it's one thing to yell out, you suck, because, okay, cool. Or, you know, die, or I hate you. Uh, those things are all pretty, you know, standard. But your brother wasn't just doing that. Your brother was going Go into, away! <laughs> go away is great. Can you is, just go away, please? <laughs> <laughs> that little please is what was killing me because it was a very polite get the fuck out of here. Oh, please just go away. Can so, you just hurt him for real already? God, maybe, at least Michael Elgin's good. <laughs> maybe let me give you guys an example. If you understand Mike, you understand one side of the coin of it. Um, yeah. Because the same family tree, so it makes sense. But there was a great moment to give maybe a, a kind of demonstration of what he sounded like mike mentioned the spot where they were trading uh holding in the air for a suplex on Cobb. this is the type of comment that you could have expected from max which would have been oh you guys are only holding it for 30 seconds god if you guys were really good you would have hold him for two minutes but whatever i guess suplex him now whatever it's fine it's lame and like the rest of the room is like oh shit like it's the the arguably one of three best spots of the entire match and just your brother's ability to no sell everything no 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 come on no he doesn't do that for a lot but to see that i can barely get him off the couch for much i came and visit him for the first time in years he's stuck on the couch but that i don't know man I, Brian Cage, I don't know what you did, man. I don't either. And you you no, made I... his brother go into full arms folded. <laughs> Listen. He, with a newspaper, just, <laughs> no, nope, nope, not he doing had, it. Mm. He was literally shaking his head, nope, mm-mm, not on my watch. And I wanted to say it ended well, but it still went there. But I still think my favorite moment for your brother was, come on, ref. Come on, break it up. He's got the rope. And it's like, well, he's got till five. And he's just like, no, break it up. Stop it. Ugh. Technically, it just. Oh, my God. Well, I don't even. He was the relief that the match was just over. Yeah. Was. Yeah. Just, and so, I think that's when we went to. I think that's when we went to intermission, maybe. Did we? I thought we had one more match before we did that. Oh, we did. And see, that's so sad. Because that was the most 
expected match of the night. King Ricochet. What was he wearing? He was wearing a crown. No, what was he wearing? A sleeve? Uh, like a Nike sleeve? No, what was he wearing? What was Ricochet wearing? You asked me, not only do you think the WWE would not only allow that that crown, but the... I don't know, was it a dress? Was it like a cowl? It was like a, a cape? Was it a gown? <laughs> it was a gown, that's pretty funny. Well, let's do this, because I think the thing that we're forgetting, this whole event was called Only Kings Will Understand Each Other. So, when he walked out and he's doing this king bit, all of us are kind of like, hmm. Now, granted... Walking out to I Just Can't Wait to Be King by The Lion King opens up a new dimension of fandom for me. Because when I watch those like movies, those Disney movies as a kid, I don't think I ever foresaw being in an American Legion with about 400 other pro wrestling nerds singing along as some dude walks out and you go, but why is he a king? I mean, I get it, but he's so much more talented. He doesn't have to do this this bit. He doesn't need to do this. We can move on. Um, but let's talk about it. So why was that an important thing to establish for the dynamic that they were setting up for that match? Well, I think there's two things to really focus on. One being um, PWG invites the wrestlers to be on their show. Mm-hmm. And Leo Rush has been uh, – he's – been fairly new on the scene and it's his first match in PWG. So to be put in a spot against Ricochet, who's been absolutely blazing fire in the last, what, two years, um, is a tough spot. That's what I took into consideration. Now, also, you expect so much out of Ricochet because of what he's been doing with Osprey. Yes. The New Japan match, if anybody's familiar with what culture, pro wrestling. He's it just done. got three more stars in the time that we've been doing this podcast. Right. So it's, right. What, it's is that nine stars now? I would like to see the average of like how the st- half a star per, I think it's like one half every five hours. Mm-hmm. Might be. Mm-hmm. The Meltzer Blue Book is selling well at Amazon. <laughs> not our sponsor. Not our sponsor. Not we our just, sponsor we just like it. We just so, we respect the Melts. He so he's been tearing it up doing the what culture they did a mix with Tessa and Osprey and his girlfriend on that and then they did a rematch. So what I told you and I don't know if he really liked what I had to say is my takeaway from it. Granted, it was a good match and I think um, it was weird because Ricochet played the heel. veteran yeah. heel role if and uh, the rookie. Youngblood kind of got over and it was more of his coming out match. So I think Ricochet was working on a different character, mm-hmm. but I really think my biggest takeaway is that Ricochet needs Osprey more than Osprey needs Ricochet at this point, because I just, it as good as it was, I really like Leo Rush's effort. He got the please come back chant, which is always the, you know, the marker, but I've, thought it kind of felt flat i was expecting a lot more i mean they hit all the spots really the spots were good over. let's be very clear about that a lot like there was one sequence in what they were doing that you would have paid to see in a movie 
And I thought right, that was right. spectacular. And they elongated that spot. So it wasn't just like the one sequence and then they were done. It had like a feel where they were back out of the ring. They came back in. They continued that sequence. And that's fucking something to behold. Again, that's all on the athleticism side. I'll even cross it over to the performance side. What felt flat a little bit, and maybe it was space on the card, like the the sequence in which they were put, perhaps it was the the storytelling that never quite felt 100% authentic. Um, it was a framed idea of veteran versus new young gun, which, timeless, and those things should work. It's not even that. It just didn't resonate as much as I thought it could have. And it's not a knock. And as Mike is mentioning here, you know, Mike's just thrown out the theory because controversy. But I think the nice part about it is, is he's making a point that I'm not sure I'm willing to make yet. But I will entertain the fact that this wasn't the match I thought it could be. And I firmly understand what my bias and or expectation game could have been walking into it. Um, I would like to see it again and see how it plays when it is on, uh, you know, film or video or on YouTube eventually. Um, because I, I have questions. I liked it. I didn't see a bad match the whole night. I will preface it with that, but I just felt like in a night full of people who were playing with the expectation games and turning it a little bit and doing a nice spin, while it was good, I don't know that it held up on the top half of this one. That's just my opinion. Especially because they kind of low key named the show after him. I mean, I don't. Which is they got bored. I don't get it, but no, it was good. It was good. I mean, you got to see Ricochet. Oh my god, Ricochet! And Ricochet, <sighs> dude, Ricochet Listen. is is awesome to see live. I one hundred percent am happy to see that. No, bro, I went to Wrestle Kingdom eleven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see my shirt? Mm-hmm. Crook and Hall. Mm-hmm. We did the whole thing. I know a little Japanese picked up. You know, you just need six words. Hey, can I get a drink? No, you didn't wait in line. What? What? So, yeah. Take your shirt there, buddy. God, that's so funny. You know what? Next time we go to a PWG show or anywhere, I think we just need to be those people. It's like, I just got back from uh, New Japan. God. Oh, yeah. Tough. Woo. We basically made the show. We were part of the experience. We were, you know, so vital to them getting over. I don't know. Ricochet's old news, but I still like him. I think he's great, you know, but really he depends on me. So that's why I'm here. You really should start planning your trip for the next. I mean, really now, you know, if you really want to get a good feel for how the Japan system really works. Do you speak Japanese? Not really. (laughs) So there's that uh, match. Then we get a intermission. Uh, do you have any more on that match before we go on any further? Nah. Okay. I think maybe it's best to to get out while the getting's good on that one. But yeah, it, it's again not a knock on those guys. So we come back in, and when we get back in, what was the match we are treated to? Yeah, I did. It have to do with the match per se. I don't know if it was his mask. I don't know if it's a top hat. I don't know if it's the umbrella. I don't know if it was a ooh, ooh. I don't know. It was just, I've never, I mean, I have, but to see this thing 
the villain, Marty Skrull, just do absorb every iota of fan energy and just bump and just put it right back to us immediately was something else, man. That kid doesn't get enough credit for, for doing what he does. I think he was my hero of the night. I think watching the smile on his face, and it's minuscule because he's good in character, but watching the like smirk on his face, that's probably more accurate, as he knows he's over. That's a heel who truly is, he's feeling how it is. And uh, he's feeling the room and he's really making good adjustments to the crowd. And that's a hard thing to do. Crowd work is very difficult. Where I was highly entertained was when I was explaining it to other people. I was like, dude, he was so over that at one point he was – and I stopped and I realized (laughs) what I was going to say. And they go, what do you – what's the matter, Raph? And I go, well, you know when you're at a pro wrestling show and a wrestler like starts sexy dancing? And I like catch myself and I go, there's no other way to explain it. He's just like – dancing and the crowd's applauding like woo he's just like feeling himself next thing you know maybe two seconds back into the match this is how you could tell this kind of event that you're going to a woman goes your dance moves aren't even that good they stop the match he walks over to the ring and basically gives her the opportunity to come on in and he's like wait, come on in wait 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 what's happening there you forgot a vital ass. You for, vital oh, no, 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 no. That. I want to come back to that. I want to come back to that. Okay, 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 okay. Because he's in, he's inviting her to come on in. And she is like, she basically said the crowd equivalent of, I rescind my comment. <laughs> but there was something, like, why would somebody feel so uh, enabled to make that kind of interruption when they are back into the actual meat of the match, of the actual competitive side of the match. Mike, why why would they do that? I mean, because there's a couple girls on that side, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a good mix of – it's not like it's all guys. And so you're not going to just fish out the one girl voice. Sure. You know what I mean? And it was an immediate reaction because if you slow-moed it, it would have been about 0.4 seconds beside, yeah. before – I would say everybody within two rows of her were pointing her out to him right here. <laughs> this is the one right here, right here. As the rest of the crowd just went, ooh. Like she was a little like five-year-old that just got in trouble getting heckled by the seven-year-old brother. Oh, oh here it comes. And he turned around. Yeah. Yeah, she shut down quick. Oh. That there's nothing more priceless than putting someone in their place. And people always forget, you may yell something out, but if you've got the mic or the ring in this case, you have the power. By the way, the ring got a chant. The ring was over. <laughs> anyway. Well, also, too, getting back on that side real quick, mm. and that was the hardest part of me maybe the whole night was we focus on that guy. We're going to call back to the guy that just – it might be PWG's equivalent of Frank the Clown, the guy that just got mad oh, that his know. chants weren't getting over. Well, so he, what did he do though? There was something weird that he did at the beginning of the match, and that's what I wanted well, to go back to. Well, you also got to take into consideration that it was Jay White's first match. This guy's been turning it up in Japan. 
Um, he's a rookie for about a year, and like I said before, he specialed older his shirt, so he'd be the first one to be in the know about this kid at his first match. So he was really, really hyped about this. I don't remember what he did. I remember what Squirrel did, if he could remind me what um, – I can't even give him a funny nickname. That's rude. Whatever. <laughs> well, we're about to give him a nickname because it's Jay just going to happen. Jay White Mark 1. Jay White Mark 1, who happened to be Asian. So stay with us, guys. This isn't racist. It's Mexican. It he was Mexa-Asian, if you were really. Me, might have been Filipino. Indiscernible brown and Asianness. Let's say that. So he gets up and he was doing all these chants all throughout the night. I think he said something to the equivalent of, fuck you, to Marty. And Marty, embracing that heel roll, took his hat and threw mm-hmm. it to the south side of the crowd. I mean, clear across the room. Clear, like, across the room. Now, here is the credit to more different uh, Asian dude. He, like, sulked. He looked down. It was the perfect kismet of like, oh, that's pretty funny. Like he's right. playing and it well. He got his spot right, and he played it to the. And you couldn't be mad at that for as much effort as he was given before. That's why I was so torn because I was like, yeah, that is really good. <laughs> but you got your spot, homie. Cool. But Marty is reveling in it and is literally taking. Uh, you know, his walk around the ring to just embrace, be the heel. I'm laughing. I'm crying laughing because it's one thing to do that and like rip up somebody's sign. It's another to take their property and throw it to other Get people. Get rid of it. And be like, this no longer belongs to you. It belongs to the people. Like, <laughs> so what do you think White is going to do in response to this? Well, the White's credit too. And also, you can cut a hell of a match. You can work. And he, d- he was a good worker, he did some cool stuff. But nothing really memorable to what you're alluding to because – and I really think this is why he got the – he would have got the please come back chant regardless because I think he knew right then and there that, oh, wait, Marty Squirrel has a hat, yep. a top hat, yep. and we're going to do this. And the crowd didn't want to, but they responded accordingly, and I think he knew – to take his time to it so we could, oh, he's going to put it on his head. <laughs> so he puts yeah. it on his head, and it's amazing, and then people are cheering, as you mentioned. Bananas! The, the the crowd is going ballistic, and it's great. Now, granted, uh, Marty's got to be like, oh, that's perfect. That's a perfect spot. Everybody, like, he's got to be so happy because good heels can only exist when you have a true good guy. Uh, working with you. Yeah, you might go heel versus heel, but then it's like, eh. So it's making everybody very happy. Now, the reason why I brought up that this guy was probably Asian, we don't know, Mexican if you want to call him that, is because he then becomes, with that top hat, odd job. And I get that joke out first. I want to put that out here, people. I yelled that shit out. And then somehow it made its way over to the north side of the audience, and I was like, I demand a royalty for that joke. That is my joke. This is fact. So, yes, he does have a name now. If we see you at a different uh, event, odd job, I will call you oh, as such. Oh, he does have a name. So, there you are. I didn't blow that spot. But, no, to 
And he wasn't done either. I mean, you thought that was it, but uh, it was one of the worst rainstorms in the history of California. Um, and people did have umbrellas, and Marty Skrull just so happens to have an umbrella. So he saw his umbrella brother hmm. in the crowd and just picked the other dude's umbrella up and put it in the crowd. And again, the place goes nuts Yeah, just because they understand that interaction. Marty Skrull puts on his work. They put on a great show. They get their standing up. Please come back. Marty Skrull takes off down the ring apron and jumps on the guy and hugs him while the dude opens his umbrella. And they're, po- I mean, that when, how, and wh- I mean, never. Oh, yeah. I thought the only way that could have gotten better is if they Mary Poppins flew their way out of that fucking place. But that was pretty spectacular. The case of the Poppins. (laughs) Flying down and taking them both out. Well, should have saw the Poppins. So high marks to Marty. I thought that was a spectacular match. And uh, he played it well and uh, makes an appearance a little bit later. So we don't want to give too too much away yeah he's something else man i'm really looking forward to seeing what this guy's gonna do he's been one of my i mean like we said heel section and if you really appreciate that he's he's one of the guys to pay attention to right now absolutely so now that we're looking at that that's the great heel work of the week we'll go ahead and acknowledge that good work to him but then we're getting to the point where it's time to see the young bucks do their thing the reason why everybody came Mm mm-hmm with mm-hmm. who who did he oh let me can i do it yeah go for it and this is the reason i don't have my voice either so it's gonna be real so it's a young bucks in adam cole baby yeah that one hurt it's okay it's against, okay it hurt so good you you, re- you had to do it against um sammy callahan and a former uh irish airborne of uh jack Christ and I can't remember his. Oh, that's so bad. Can't remember the other guy's name. They're brothers, but the ring announcer called him Jack, and his name is Jake. And there's a whole breakdown. <laughs> Jack was the best, actually. Wait, but explain to me what your first impression, your very first impression of the Young Bucks coming out in PWG, the Bullet Club, yeah. the the. Gnarliest heel faction, maybe in the history of the game, hottest thing on earth. You expect the foot, foot, foot. But what happened, Raph? Well, obviously, they're going to come out to Umbop because why not? But here's where I'm spectacularly impressed by them. Everybody's on their feet. They want to get a glimpse of them because they know they're the show. And I'm intrigued by it because I'm watching them and they are good for this because you know it's not an indie wrestling event unless there's going to be 47 super kicks in a Young Bucks match. I counted. I didn't, but I'm, I'm roughly estimating. I'm roughly, that's a good 47. estimation. If you start to do if the multiples, had... if you start to figure out how they combine like, them into the, well, the sets. Right. Yeah, like I think we're like about cu- If you cube them, like if you were at a festival and you're like, and you walk by a booth and it said, how many super kicks are on this jar? You would have, you would have got, you would have ballparked it. I think 47 would have been inadequate. That's pretty funny. How many super kicks are in this jar? It's the perfect fucking Young Bucks game to play. So, no, I was, I was impressed by their presence. I was impressed by their obvious fandom for the world of professional wrestling. Um, 
I was even like when they announced that they had somebody who was going to introduce them. I was like, sure. And here comes Cody Rhodes in, uh, I must say, a spectacular suit. That's a power suit. That's a powdered light blue, beautiful, like off shade of navy. I was just like, oh, I wouldn't even wear yeah. that here. Oh, that's such a good suit. Because the guy in the $900 pants. Come on. Come on here, people. So, yeah, then they immediately, they're just holding court. They they have everybody's attention. The match starts. They said it's going to be a six-person tornado tag. Basically, it's an excuse to say, rules? Eh, take your rules elsewhere. We're just going to have a melee, which, I you know, I, at a certain point, I was like, I didn't even need you guys to say that. Just do the fucking match. We know what to expect with these guys. And I have to say, I was very impressed by what they were doing. I thought it was a lot of fun. They are to go back to my earlier phrase. You got to know the rules to break the rules. Well, there's a reason you can do 49 super kicks. There's a reason why you can do, uh, you know, a diamond cutter and play with the mentality of doing a Randy Orton tribute, AKA not a tribute, but kind of a tribute. There's a reason you can do all of these mini spots is because you just live in the moment and you play to everything the crowd wants to see. It takes the umpteenth version of what I like to call, how is it that Jake the Snake used to do a DDT and it would be a finisher? And now it's just kind of a transition move. It should be affecting your brain, should it not? But it's not about the move. It's not about the move. It's about about what they what type of match. You know, everybody, you want to do hardcore stuff. We get hardcore all the time. The fight mentality. Yeah. You know, the umbop. And I've heard them saying this. I'm just kind of regurgitating what I heard them on when they were on Talk is Jericho is they wanted to bring a party yeah. aspect to it and know that this is what you're going to be involved in and that it's okay. That's why they got the okay to be rockers, hardies, and WODX all wrapped into one because this is what – Everybody loved they were fans themselves and this yeah. is what we want to see we're putting our all spin on it And this is who we are for our act and it's It's something else. It's really I've never seen anything like it. They've not only Ripped kayfabe and torn it to shreds, but they've also been one of the most successful acts to never be in the the, the dubs or mm -hmm. like in a mainstream Light so you know, that's what you're gonna get yep. But when the when the RKO party took out, hmm. broke out, and Adam Cole proceeded to punch the ground <laughs> like he was throwing a fit, and he got up and did that shimmy of all shimmies. Again, I don't understand this crowd and them just knowing how that's the greatest thing ever and to react like it because that was one of the most damn beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. The extended shimmy is like the director's oh. cut of an RKO. Oh. oh, the roof exploded. I don't even think he got the RKO off. I think he got no, like you know sideswiped or some shit. Yeah. I think in the grand scheme of things, it didn't even matter, and it no. was it was glorious. I mean, uh, there's so much to enjoy about this match, just in terms of how silly it could be, how fun it could be. Uh, spots are all epic. It's just. Spot, 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 spot. And, you know, there's a, there's a collective area that some people don't enjoy that. But, like like I said, you know, the rules break the rules. And that's what makes it fun. That's why it does feel like a party atmosphere to me. 
uh, as a spectator. And to, to be experiencing that is really uh, something else. The reason why I bring up the Jake the Snake comparison is, is because when I was explaining it to a civilian a little bit earlier today, I was like, imagine a match where there's 47 super kicks. And they're like, well, I know Shawn Michaels. I know he needed, like, most times one, one. at most three. And I started to realize, I'm like, oh, no. We're starting to hit that age where we go, Shawn Michaels didn't walk through three miles of snow to super kick one person just to have a match go on for another 90 minutes. Yeah, he had an Iron Man match, but they made that super kick count. Right, yeah, right when it counted. <sighs> anyway, so that was a, that was my old man moment for the day. Back in my day. Listen, you kids with your super kicks now. In my day, it was just a kick. My day, the leg drop put you out for a good four months. <laughs> but again, you saw that red and you saw that red and yellow come down on you, brother. You knew what was going on, <laughs> bro. You were gonna have to. Not only are you gonna be walking through snow, you're gonna be damn near hobbling through snow, bro. That's actually that's gonna be a great recurring for us. Is uh, people who took the finish, them having flashbacks and just oh. like they're right next to you at the bar, being like, "Man, I remember taking what was what nineteen ninety three. I took a bonsai drop. I couldn't couldn't breathe out of my lungs for like five years after that. Yoko Zuna, good man, tough match, but uh, he basically sat on me. That was the move. He climbed. I always tell the guy, I always tell my kids when they come in the door. The first thing is you don't want to be the guy at the bar telling your stories and how the earthquake just gave you that last little pee pee drop. You know what I mean? You want to be the pee pee dropper. You know what I mean? You can't be reminiscing after two matches at Madison Square Garden on the undercard. Well, back in my day, you were lucky to even see Madison Square Garden. He, this guy's black. Oh, well, I mean, it just depends on where you are. Regional, you know, he's got that voice. It's just going to, it's going to carry. It's going to go. That's so bad. Anyway, listen, guys. <clears throat> Great match. Kudos to them. There was... If I'm being so honest, when I told people about these guys, I said, you know, it's got to be tough because, again, know the rules, break the rules. If there's one thing you take away from this uh, podcast, make it be that. But think about this. Yeah, tons of super kicks. Yeah, RKOs up the kazoo, up DDTs. No big deal. Totally. But if you're these guys, and I have to explain to a civilian, I go, well, let's put it to you this way. These were the guys who super kicked a drone. These are the guys who super kicked a make-a-wish kit, essentially. These are the guys who do 49 super kicks in a match. It all checks out. There's only one way to go in this world, which is continuously up. So while it does create a different degree of higher difficulty as they continue it on, I think they're handling it just fine, and they are producing fun matches. So it was very nice to get to see that live. <clears throat> but don't you think that might be just the whole essence of wrestling in general? I think I do. I the, do. The evolution of it has become so, and I think that's why you're seeing the backlash and the old schoolers saying that a match like that or a match like Ricochet and Osprey isn't really isn't real wrestling. But sure. we've been exposed to so many. You know, spots, high spots, yeah, well, you know, great it, theories and stuff that let's, it's 
let's do, I guess, devil's advocate on that one. The reason why the old schoolers may be saying that is if you want to break down statistics and you want to bring facts into this, Mike, uh, I just think if you were to look at the numbers, you could say, like, this is the amount of false finishes or uh, false uh, finishers that you would have in a given match. And you can compare those. And I understand that. But I think that you are right in the sense of it is the trajectory the business is going. I think what the old schoolers may be harping on, and I don't speak for them despite my, you know, traveling three miles in snow to see Shawn Michaels do just one goddamn super kick. It was 1996, assholes. Anyway, I guess the reason why they do that is I think those old school people wonder at what point does it become oversaturated? At what point is there no turning back? At what point do you have to finish a match at WrestleMania with 15 finishes? We have we live in a different day and age. Dude, our attention span is so much different with the quick edits on the YouTube videos now. And could you imagine, okay, in our day and age, they try to put on a rest hold match that they used to give us in like 1985 for, you know, it'd be Coco Beware versus the Barbarian and it would last, you know, 12 minutes with headlocks and stuff, how many people would be on their phone if there was phones back there and just check out immediately? I think you need a grasp with the false finishes that attention span and have it constantly quick editing over to keep it in the same, you know, atmosphere of, you know, because we expect so many things, to, so many moments to get that when they, they lay it down, they might, they might lose you. You always talk about, oh, I think, the crowd was just so burned out that this match had no le- that this had no legs. We're like, wait, no, they're telling a different story. Yeah, and that's why PWG works so well is because the understanding of it and the fucking work rate. But like when it all comes together like that, there's no. It's a real hard thing to not notice. And then the I think guys like the Bucks versus guys like Cornette, it, it's just never gonna it'll oh, never yeah. well, come to pass. Listen, Cornette struggles with a mirror on some days, so uh, that's a different match into itself. I'll tell you this much. I just, as you were explaining all of that, and you brought up some good points, I just booked the Young Bucks last match. (laughs) Who are you booking them against? Uh, It doesn't matter. Uh, Just whoever (laughs) is going to get the golden ticket. Maybe that's, you cost? know what? If they're truly fans, that's what's gonna happen. They're gonna give a fucking Willy Wonka golden ticket to somebody. Oh, and Jesus. here's the thing: this is the real thing I had mapped out, which is the finish has to be just one super kick to end that match. Right. That's the only way it can end. Well, well, they say that in Japan sometimes they'll do no super kicks. That they just they also have to understand where they're at, what they're doing. I agree. And, and they do I, modify they won't get, it as they go. Yes. Right. But th- there's no credit for that in this, you know, spin over. It's just not, what are you doing? Cause we spent all that time saying, Oh, what we didn't see out of Ricochet and Leo rush when in all relativity, if that was your first time, like it was John's first time to see Ricochet, you're just, you're, you're you, you don't know what you're seeing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the last match, I was excited for this. Because I've been following this guy for a while. Zack Sabre Jr., uh, I think, is a great hybrid between uh, two worlds that I enjoy a lot, which is pro wrestling and mixed martial arts. His transitions and his ring work is stellar. Uh, going up against the Kentucky Gentleman, which, by the way, we could we can do better. Uh, Chuck Taylor. Again, we could probably 
do better on that one too. But hey, listen, the Kentucky gentleman is where I have the most uh, contentions. Have you ever met Kentucky people? Not quite gentlemen. Live there. Just saying. Anyway, or maybe he's the one. Maybe that's what it is. Eh. Good match uh, in which storytelling requires us to have some sort of bad guy. So Zach has to take on that role. Despite the fact that I'm like, what? Like, really? What do we have against fucking Zack Sabre Jr.? Oh, is he just because he's European and like we're super hardcore America and fuck well, the rest Chucky of the world? T's, Chucky T has been built up that he's basically the heart of PWG at this point. Exactly. So now we're getting to this point where it's awesome to see these two going up against each other, and uh, you know they they put on a, a very solid match. It was the end of the night. It's getting close to one a.m. Despite you know somebody saying it wouldn't happen that's not a problem it just happens we get through it guys because we're all there for the love of sport so as we get through this you know zach and i i tell this to all of my my mma friends i'm like that kid has to be training some mma and jiu-jitsu because those transitions are clean i see a lot of pro wrestlers do mma transitions and I guess a barometer, and it's a sad barometer, is if I look at them and go, my transition's better than theirs, I get a little worried because they're much better athletes. But I, I've always looked at how wiry Sabre is, and I think, man, what he's doing is some really fucking impressive stuff. So I don't think it's a, a hyperbole to refer to him as the best technical wrestler on the scene right now. If he's not it, he's up there. He has to be because he opened the door for that. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's his swagger. I don't know if he does it, puts it better together. But having that kind of style is really hard to get over to a wrestling crowd. And Yeah, yeah, he does it better than anybody that I've seen. I thought it was a real treat when he was on the Cruiserweight Classic. And like you said, yeah, I would put him and AJ Styles next to each other as the two best wrestlers in the world right right now. Um, there's guys that can out maybe outwork Zack Saber and that can, you know, maybe put in a better match and do some better spots. But to have a whole genre of wrestling, like a technical aspect of wrestling, be reborn because of you, you know, what I mean, that's the whole. It's not an easy thing to do, and to have MMA guys take notice is way hard. Yeah. Am I right? You're right. I don't know. That's that's what it felt like it needed there. Just no. Mm. Yeah. No. No. You're you're good. Which is great because this is basically <laughs> the level energy you are going through that last match. Just I just we really it. wanted to recreate really good stuff. How. How like so you're watching it and it's approaching one and you go, this is so good. I'm so tired. I've been standing for so long. I wrote a letter to my child in the future as this match was going on. Dear son or daughter, PWG was where it was at. Dateline, 2017, February the 18th. I've started to lose recognition of who I am. The people around me call me Raph. I just know I wear a hat that says internet famous. Am I? Who am I? Will I ever see daylight again? Finn. There you go. 
And then you look over to her right, and there's that like 85 year old woman, white eyed and bushy tails, having the time of her life, just sitting there. She's like, "I sat down the whole time, you dumbasses. Have a great <laughs> night." We're like, "What? How did you? Excuse me, where'd you come from?" She was the best. Oh, she was great. Um. So yeah. So Zack Saber is a PW champion. PWG champion. They have a great match. Do some real stiff pile drivers, and essentially Zack Saber Jr. goes over. Mm-hmm. And then what? You don't know. You can't expect anything. There's no storyline. So what do we do? Uh, well, you know, it's a good match. So they're just gonna promote to the next show. And uh, at this point, uh, Marty, because uh, the people were not giving. At least this is, I guess, the the story they're telling. The people weren't giving Zach the love that he deserved. So Marty came back out here and was like, you respect this man who I might have had a match with kind of recently, but forget that stuff. We're friends now. I am announcing it because you're up things. So there's a lot accents. of yeah, accents. <laughs> So there's a lot of, uh, you know, great stuff. But, you know, heels can't end the night by being the most on the microphone if they've won as well. Mike, what happens then? Well, for those in the know, um, Dude Buster callback to Tremperetta came and made the save. Again, he that dude's on fire, man. He's, yeah. he, he really sells it, but the story was that him and Chuck Taylor were in a tag team called Best Friends, question mark. And for a real long time, people were into it. They broke him up. Chucky T went over and did Evolve, was trying to work on his heel stuff more. So it was a kind of a cool, um, how am I going to say this, bromance? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can call it getting, that. Getting back together. Like it was around Valentine's Day, so it kind of made sense. Should have came out with like roses and candy, but I think he took – but I think he took instead he took Marty Scroll's um, umbrella and broke it over his head or something. Yeah. It's kind of the equivalent, right? You do that for your boo boo. <laughs> I did that for you. <laughs> do you think later they get in the fucking like uh, car driving to their next gig? It's like just silence for thirty minutes. Like you're not gonna say anything. You're not. No. You're not even gonna acknowledge what I did. I. Ran into a ring when I didn't need to come back. I was done for the night. I'm always doing those things for you, okay? You never, ever oh, spot Jesus. out for me. Here we go again. It's, it... Just every time. Oh, I ran in to save you. Oh, I distracted the ref. You know what? Why don't you distract yourself sometimes to see what you do to me? Okay? Think about that. DT, on the side of the apron. Do you know what they say about the side of the apron? The side of the apron is the hardest part of the ring, and I have to take it every time for you. Sammy Zane. Just saying. It hurts when you just don't say thank you, and I wish you could. I wish you could thank me. We walked back out of that ring, and you didn't even say, like, hey, man, I really appreciate you coming out there. I was getting my shit kicked in. Well, I'll tell you, back in my day, if you took that leg drop, you blue and yellow, take you to the Waffle House and have you them pancakes up so good, you wouldn't even know if it's eggs or not. You know what I mean? I remember one time Hogan, Hogan even told me he had a burrito. And 
when he went to go do the leg drop, he actually whispered to me, he's like, brother, I don't know what's going to come out that side of the the rear keister, but I just want to let you know, warning. It was 1987, brother. <laughs> I had just won the belt. Nothing was open. It was Valentine's Day, and I had a double Whopper with no bread, and then I went to bed. You tell me about back in your day, brother. <laughs> Hogan Dusty, the American, the real American. At the end, dream. yeah, I did amogram it. It on my did voice slowly there. start to get there. Let me tell you something about the fucking monkey, the brother chicken, brother. Like Jesus. <laughs> what did you just say? Well, when, you, when you get to do the Dusty, you gotta get in there. You gotta get in your in the tummy, the tummy, little tummy tellers. Everybody be telling these things with the wisps and also the the lisps. Man, fuck Cody Rhodes. <laughs> Is that how we're titling this episode? Well, you were supposed to stick up for him in your dusty. I just, hey, hey, I'm getting down here. It's uh, the, the character from The Simpsons. Is <laughs> my favorite character in the world. He just goes, whoa, whoa, hey, kids. Not trying to do that. He's putting th- my kid through college. It's one of my favorite voices to do. Whoa, whoa, hey there. <laughs> Sorry. I think that I think that bit right there, if we edit it out, I think that gets us in the jacuzzi. <laughs> Absolutely. This is my letter. <laughs> well, to you. speaking of letter, uh, this is our love letter to PWG. We just want to let you know we had a fantastic time there. Uh, we're happy to come back. I noticed that you didn't have somebody on commentary, and it was just like, ugh, did you need somebody? Not that I could help, but. I do love this, and I will talk about this, and I think we're going to start to wind down. But this is what I truly enjoy about what they do here. Um, They make it for the fans. Fans are premium. The athletes, I hope, are treated well, but they are given the vicinity to do this type of storytelling that I think makes sense for us, the fans. So I can't speak for them. I can speak from my own experience. Maybe a little bit of Mike's. Definitely not Max's. I know that for sure. Not when Brian Cage is on the scene. Never. Ugh. Why can't you just go home? Ugh. I wish he really got stuck behind the mudslide. <laughs> Why couldn't he have been at Lock and Cheetah at 530? Your, your brother definitely is the, one of the few people who can see a kick out happen at two and go, ugh, typical. And then just go. <laughs> no. You know what Max does? Mm. He goes to Dodger. He loves the Dodgers and... Like somebody will be up and he'll be like, oh, so say, oh, come on, Adrian Gonzalez, let's go. Yeah, Adrian Gonzalez. And if he pops up or makes it down, it's just like stupid. <laughs> jerk, like just like <laughs> jerk, good jobber. Oh, and just gets so, it's like. Because what have we learned, kids? What have we learned? Everything is pro wrestling. You know that Mm -hmm. everything is pro wrestling. It doesn't matter what event you go to. When I go to the NBA, guess what, motherfuckers? It's pro wrestling. So I'm just letting you guys know that uh, I was so happy that Mike put this together and that we got to go and experience it. And I haven't seen Mike in a few years, so it was good to not only catch up with him, but then to see how happy it made not just us because we know we're going to enjoy it but to watch everybody around people watching is premium here. So even if you, let's say you don't love pro wrestling or you're a civilian who never wants to get into this, I dare you to go watch these people and not, and not come away with something. 
It's such a weird, such a unique thing. It, it really is. You can't, you can't as much as we sit here and talk about it and explain it. You know, and say, oh, the guitar's from Tools there, man. He gets it, you know, and mm-hmm. seems you. it's really something you, you've got to experience, you know. And that made me think about, actually, the whole experience overall. <clears throat> and we really should just name this podcast Fuck You, Justin. Because that poor guy, I mean, we're not going to go backtrack into it, but the amount of Fuck You, Justin's was pretty substantial and that kept us afloat the whole night i think so i think that would be an apropos uh, um, title i realized that justin uh the ref of the evening who got the most hate just imagine if uh jerry gergich from uh parks and recreations was a ref and that's basically what you would have there people so you look at him you're like he can't do anything fucking right he throws tape jesus nobody asked for you to throw the tape there was a there was we were standing by the ring post, and there's a spot where he was doing it too, and the crowd started going, "Move, get out of the way, <laughs> Justin!" And he he was like looking back, but he had to be in that spot, right? <laughs> Can you fucking move, please? Like, oh god, it's so good. I'm really glad you got to experience that, you I know, because we've been to WrestleManias. Yes, we do the dubs. We're, we're spoiled at this point, but yeah. to be brought back down that to be that kid again. You know, waking up to watch superstars to see Macho Man and Honky Tonk, you know, and that be your superhero cartoon for the day and to be brought back to that level of feeling inside, it's it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, I'll never overreact to a Nintendo sixty four ever again like that in my life. You know what I mean? So it's 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 a really cool thing. Yeah, big shout out to the boys at PWG. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys want to go on YouTube and, and just type it in, there's plenty to do. The highlight reel is pretty good, and, mm-hmm. you know, you can impress your friends. And like you were mentioning, when you, when you even look at that stuff, and I know that a lot of you don't live out this way. Um, so if that's your form of watching it, please do. And know that it's not a mockery to let you know that you're not there. It is a sincere hope that you get to make it out of those shows. And I, I fucking live here and those shows sell out like fucking gangbusters. Yeah. And they sell five out minutes. in seconds. And half the time I couldn't go or work there, you know, I'm doing shit. And I just was like, here was the perfect, uh, mix and the storm of things coming together. And I was like, so excited to get to yeah, see it. What a weird thing to feel lucky to do, to go to a wrestling event. It's like, true. I, I was like, oh, Raw's in town. I'm like, nah, I don't, don't want to go sit through TV, and I got to go down to Thomas. I got to go down this strip, and I was like, no, nah, just you know, I'll just watch it on TV. It'll be like I'm there. And there's yeah. just, you feel lucky. You feel like you're a part of something, and that's a really, really hard thing to get out of anything these days, yeah. you know, in the day and age we live in. So, yeah, thanks for coming out, man. It was my birthday, but that's what it wasn't about. I'm not going to do your typical putting myself over because I think I just finally went to that place and I know I'm that as good as I need to be. I don't need anybody to tell me any argue with me because I'm fine with myself, Raph, and that's all I need. You, nothing. God damn it. Is this like, is this the opposite of a daily affirmation? It's like a daily <laughs> deformation where you just get through and you reverse Stuart Smalley. We're gonna start calling you Stuart largely. 
<laughs> let you do your thing. Hey, listen, I think that's as good a moment as any to go ahead and end here. We want to say thanks to everybody in attendance with us in the heel section, not just our friends, but everybody in the surrounding areas who were even contemplating, laughing, who did laugh, who had an experienced joy with us because that's what we fucking do when we go to these things. We make sure that we're having a great time. And if you want to have one, big too, shouts out. Zach De La Mocha. Zach De La Mocha, indeed. <laughs> Asian Scarecrow. <laughs> Deshaun Two Sands is going to be. We're getting in your hot tub, dude. You can't. There's no way you can have these two sexy beasts to not be in the hot tub with you with the floating four by four. It's <laughs> the jacuzzi, you sick fuck. Big shout out to Max, my yes. brother. Big shout out to Dave, his best friend, who didn't say two fucking words the whole time. Nope. nope. What she was really, really dialed in in the dabs. Hmm. Big shout out to Jonathan Sealord, who's the first time he'd ever been to California, so his mind was blown the entire time. And big shout out to my my co-pilot Rafa Sparza for making the trip down and making it an intellectual affair. <laughs> and I was really impressed with him getting noticed and um, handling his fans the way he did. <laughs> handling my fans. I like that you're, you're saying it like I was fucking Sinatra to these people and be like, hey, rough these fuckers up for me. <sighs> Dean and I got to go on in 10 minutes with Sammy. Back in, back in my day, you had to bat him off with a stick. No, <laughs> I mean a literal stick. It was our walking stick because we're in the snow. You know what I mean? <laughs> Donald Rickles told me one time, hey, kid, that's a nice stick. You never quit your day job, okay? And you know what? I walked through those three miles of snow to see Shawn Michaels do one super kick, and it was against goddamn mankind, because that's what you did back then. Well, ladies and gents, we're glad you joined us. We hope you enjoyed our recap of PWG's spectacular event. Only kings understand each other. Uh, they are already putting together the next event. Not like you really need to know it, but listen, you know what's happening March 18th. If you get the opportunity to go to it, please go do so. I believe uh, the event is called Nice Boys, parenthetical, don't play rock and roll. So get excited for that. Uh, <laughs> that's already fucking funny. Uh, and apparently, we've uh, we've got some good stuff looking on there. There's going to be, uh, obviously, uh, you've got Zack Sabre, Marty Skrull, uh, Chuck Taylor, Trent, uh, you've got Matt Seidel, Ricochet, the Young Bucks, lots and lots of people, return of uh, Ray Phoenix, and much, much more. Leo Rush and Trevor Lee, um, Chosen Bros, and uh, what is it, Jack Christ? G Jack? It's Jack, Jack, right? Christ? Jack Christ? Jack Christ. Jack Christ. Christ. Mm, Jack. Jack Nasty. Anyway, Jesus guys. Christ? Jesus Christ. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to us here at Heel Section. We will catch you guys. It's the road to WrestleMania, so get excited, you fucks, and get in touch with us. Until next time, this is Rafa Sparza signing off. Do you think three is enough? Nah. Come on. This is, I normally sing right now. Oh, too sweet me. There we go. Now we can end it. Too sweet me. Um, bop, boop, 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 bo